Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. As the year turns to autumn, and the wind groans more menacing within the creaking of the trees, the lingering spirits shiver, restless, in the world just beyond. All manner of strange and hungry things are hastening their approach. When owls wear the shape of men and loom above our children's cribs, and snatching disembodied hands creep beneath your bed, thrashing to pull you down into the dark. Reality itself is shifting. From four-foot troll-faced demons to black hounds slinking through the graveyards, the season of the supernatural is upon us. So bolt the doors and keep your smile from being too inviting as sinister things may be hiding behind human masks of the living. Conspiracy. Synchronicity. Sasquatch. Homunculus. Alien races. Satanism in Hollywood. MK Ultra. Tartaria. There's like a whole, I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door in. Jury, close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Magicians are demons. Specters. Spirit summonings. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. And Naki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Well, hello, hello, listeners. Hi. Welcome to be here. Welcome into the hole. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy. I am John. And I am Chris. And we are the brothers of the belief hole. And today, it's time to get spooky. Right, guys? What, a, what an unoriginal I couldn't statement. think of a, of a cooler, <laughs> cooler way to say that. But the haunting is coming, guys. It's October. I mean, you're right. It, this is the penultimate Halloween episode. That's true. Which is exciting because we're getting closer and closer. This will be released right before? This is our episode leading up to the Halloween episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Halloween season. You're like, this is the ultimate, but then there's one more that's even more Well, the ultimate. penultimate. It's the pre-ultimate. Yeah, that, it means the one before the one. Penultimate. I gotcha. I'm with you. Yes, it's our favorite time of year, right? Or at least it's my favorite. I like it. This and Christmas, they have a duel. I like this whole time of year, from yeah. now until Christmas, and then after that, it sucks. Well, we're in Ohio, so after Christmas, we're done. But right now, guys, about to get spooky. Yeah, this is the time of year I feel like any rational person can really get in touch with their inner, their inner spooky child, the inner magic. Yeah, you can reconnect to that magic we always talk about that seems to disintegrate as you grow older. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, and our show does that all the time. Obviously, that's what we focus on, but... This time of year in particular is that time when the veil thins. I feel like we've, we've had this kind of intro so many times throughout the years, but it's true. This it is, is that like time. the last 40 intros. <laughs> As the veil begins we're always to thin. It's until after Halloween and then we start talking about something else. So what better way to celebrate the coming closer to that curtain than doing an old-fashioned Strange Listener Stories episode? Yeah, some real creepy ones we have today, don't we, Chris? To celebrate the coming of Samhain. Yes, we do. 
Here's a few things coming up. We've got Graveyard Guard Dogs. John, you'll like that one. Nightmare Trolls. Airport Monk Magic. I'm excited about that one. It's very interesting. And Hands That Come at Night. Nice. And those are just a few of the amazing, creepy tales, true stories from our own listeners. Absolutely. These are my favorite episodes, as you guys know. I've said this many times because we get to explore the true strangeness in everybody's everyday life. Right. Strangeness that exists just beneath your covers or beneath your bed or in the closet. The real strangeness out there. And uh, and also we get to discuss some of the, we get to look at the context around these stories. What other strange accounts in history or what phenomena that's been explored could we bring forward to connect to some of these experiences? Yeah, the deeper, dark and hidden threads of reality that tie, that bind some of these paranormal experiences, these supernatural phenomena, these inexplicable occurrences together with those nodes of truth that we love so much here in the hole. So let's get into it, Chris. Let's do it. What's our first story of the eve? Our first strange story of the evening comes from Simon, and this I call Graveyard Guard Dog. Hello, Belief Hole. Jeremy, Chris, John. Simon. You guys are heroes of mine. I listen to your show every day. I love it. Yes! And you guys are bringing, making the unknown known uh, and bringing humor into places of darkness and fear. I like that. And for that, I'm forever grateful. That's cool. Well said. So. Thank you. I was listening to the episode 2.07, I think, or 2.09. I can't remember now which one it was. But anyway, you mentioned a black dog. And there was kind of a black dog story. Oh, yeah. Heidi. And it reminded Mm -hmm. me that I have a curious black dog story myself. So... I was in high school, Uh, a friend and I would walk around this cemetery near his house. And it was kind of near an apartment building, so the exterior lights from the apartment building would kind of illuminate the area of of the cemetery anyways, where we were. And as we're walking his dog, who's a Great Dane, this other dog just kind of pops out from behind this tombstone and when I say pops out I mean in the sense that like you know the tombstones are spread out enough that we would have seen it walking up to that tombstone to then come out from the side of but even at the time I had that feeling of like this thing straight up just walked out of the back of this tombstone but it walks up to us and it has an almost human like communication feeling <laughs> I don't know how to how to put it exactly but it's like I mean I'm a dog owner and my friend's a dog owner obviously because he's, he's got a great Dane there who by the way normally was like barking at everything and he was just totally still I remember this look on his face like yeah I don't know if you've ever seen a worried great Dane but it's kind of a hilarious <laughs> face anyway he had that that weird dumbstruck kind of Scooby-Doo look on his face. And uh, basically this other dog's just checking us out. We pet it and everything. It's got like medium long black hair. And, um, you know, no collar or anything like that either. And it it seemed friendly and everything, but uh, basically after maybe a minute, it just walks away and disappears behind another tombstone. Which again is far enough away from the other tombstones there's no hiding walking between them and yet it just didn't come out the other side of of the tombstone once it walked behind it 
uh, either you know in the z-axis or the uh, x-axis so to speak so anyway strange story disappearing black dog uh, maybe that's a piece of the puzzle yeah very strange yeah very interesting account definitely not a normal dog well yeah came out from behind a gravestone and then went back behind another and never came out again this will sound familiar to well, you guys. I'm sorry. Did he say he was walking on two legs? No, no, no. No, it was oh, just he didn't. Black dog. He said oh, it had okay. a human-like, a human-like expression, like it was communicating almost in a human way with its expression. I gotcha. He had mentioned the other black dog story. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had a couple that we had talked about. One, the glitching black dog from Heidi. The static glitch. Yeah. Yeah. But why this sounds so familiar to me and will to you guys, I believe, is. We've talked about this connection with, you know, black dogs, you know, black shuck, padfoot, and graveyard specifically. What is it about this area? What is it about the sort of sacred setting of a graveyard in particular where you have all these accounts through time? And here's a, here's a random one in contemporary times of a guy and his friend walking through. And again, always a black dog coming out from behind a gravestone, disappearing almost as if it's some sort of guardian of this area. Just interesting. And of course, you think about the thresholds, you think about cemeteries, you think about going all the way back to like Anubis, this timeless sort of archetype of a dog character being the guardian between the boundaries of, you know, life and death and realities. Mm-hmm. Remember the, the dogman story we did from Linda Gottfried? Yeah. About Gadara, John? You did that? Yes, I do. Excellent voice. Gadara. Same thing. Yeah, that was from the early 1900s, I believe. Yeah, that was from 1936, a security guard at St. Coletta School. Mark Shackleman was his name. And that was a churchyard too, wasn't it? Exactly. It was uh, actually, he was on top of a, a burial mound. That's right. This dogman creature. So again, and just another There's correlation. There's a connection with dogmen and graveyards. Yeah. Well, people would say werewolves before dogmen, the idea kind of came into the lexicon, but a lot of connections, sightings around graveyards. Specifically. We had one from Jeremy, really good listener story of a dogman. He witnessed oh, right. uh, near a graveyard near his property, I believe, in Alabama. Here's something that we missed. And John, you're going to find this interesting. We didn't talk about the church grim. A church grim is basically a guardian spirit in English and Nordic folklore that oversees the welfare of a particular church that protects the churchyard from the profane and people who would commit sacrilege, vandalism, that sort of thing. People um, up to no good in the graveyard. And this is what's interesting, John. <laughs> this is, I thought this was kind of funny when I was reading this. In modern times, when black dogs are kept as pets in churches and they're attached parsonages, these are called church grims since they reside on and guard ecclesiastic property. Technically, John, your dog Jake is a church grim because your house is owned by the church next door. I always wondered. Hey, you ran it from the church. Jake is a church grim. He's also a black dog, so it's perfect. He fits that description perfectly. Yeah. The sad fact about their origin, though. Yeah. Church grims, or kirkenvaki uh, in Swedish, apparently it used to be that the first person buried at a graveyard the idea was that that person for eternity would have to guard the graveyard and the oh, church right. church grounds, essentially. Not fair. Over time, they uh, <laughs> started burying, I guess this was the tradition, they would bury a pitch black dog alive, I think. Yeah. Was it alive? It was, yeah. In the, like, the northern end of the churchyard or the graveyard. And then that would become the church grim that would fight off any kind of malcontents or evil presences. And uh, there's a specific one. It's called the uh, Ushgung. It's an archaic form of Swedish divination, often referred to as the year walker. And basically, these would be people that would go around a churchyard or they go into the wilderness on Christmas Eve night or New Year's Eve. And in order to divine the future of what's going to happen in the coming year, uh, people that would die, the harvest, etc. They perform this ritual, right? Yeah. And they would look onto roads leading to churches or the churchyard itself. And they would have to, one of the things they'd have to do is 
battle or um, overcome the challenges of encountering supernatural entities and the key figure would be the Kirkenvaki or Jake, John's yeah. dog, the black dog, right? The, the church grim yeah. to protect the ground. It's just kind of interesting how that, I don't think they had to battle it. I think it was more just avoid it. But either way. Well, you know what I mean. They, had over, <laughs> they were an obstacle. Neat. <laughs> yes. Great clip, Sorry. John. Neat. I didn't mean to play that. <laughs> okay. You don't have to, you don't have to like. I have to clarify that one because otherwise it sounds like I'm going neat. Neat. <laughs> neat. That's true. It is very similar. Neat. But yeah, great story. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. Such a weird thing that this happens still to this day. I mean, there's stories about this in West Virginia where there's a certain church and it's not always connected right. back to this church grim folklore. So it's just interesting that it seems to be a thing. Still to this day. Yeah. These ethereal black dogs so commonly seen near graveyards. So odd. Yeah. Maybe it's just an energy there that draws things. Poor dog, though. Buried alive. Oh, this next story's good. Bring the heat, Jer. Because I love me some disembodied hairy hands. Well, I don't know what it is, but we get so many hairy hand stories or disembodied hand mm -hmm. stories. There is something out there. Remember the red hand, like the digital hand? Yeah, from back in the day. Classic. That one. was a great story. Great that story. was like one of the most, I think, unique stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh, and then we had, I forget who submitted it, but we had the story of the girl who it would come at night and it would... Oh, that was creepy. Remember it attacked her and her dad came in and ended up shooting the at it? The dog attacked it? Arr. Yeah. Remember that? That was terrifying. Oh, yeah. That was freaky. Super intense. Yeah. So yeah, something about disembodied hairy hands is a very common submission we get, which is very strange. We've done them like three or four times from our own listeners. It's yeah. just bizarre. So this comes from Henry, listener of the show. And this happened between 1979 and 1982 in South Haven, Indiana. John, you want to read this one? Sure. Ready? Okay. So here's my hand story. This happened between 1979 and 1982. Roughly. Somewhere in there. I was living in Northwest Indiana in a town called South Haven, about 45 minutes from Chicago. I was between the ages of four and six when I would get visited by a hand. It appeared at random times, but it seemed to show up when my father would run the water softener. The softener was fairly loud, so the sound of the machine would muffle any of my screams. My dad used to run it at night, even though I begged him not to. My bedroom was closest to the softener, so it was much louder. The visits were often enough that I asked my parents if I could sleep with my sister in her room. Gross. <laughs> Is that in the story? <laughs> yeah. Poor sister. Well, then the hand started visiting me in my sister's room. Despite my screams, my sister never moved. She seemed in a trance-like sleep. If I put my hands under my pillow, the hand would come out from under the bed and yank me by my wrists. It would quickly disappear when I would scream. As odd as it may seem, one night it appeared and it had a black glove on. One with an opening on top where I saw dark, coarse hair emerging. That night it grabbed my wrist when I stretched my arm behind my head. I know this sounds odd, but the hand used to come from the air register. To my parents' dismay, I used to cover the register with books, hoping that would help. It didn't. One night, I actually got the nerve to jump out of my bed and tried to run to my parents' room, which was at a straight shot for me. I had to leap over my sister since I slept next to the wall. Being clumsy, I tripped, and the hand grabbed my ankle and started pulling me under the bed, 
I shouted to my older sister. Jenny, get Dad! The hand has got me! She slept like a log, but as soon as I said, Get Dad! The hand let go right away. I ran to my parents' room again. The following night when it came, it was accompanied by a tall Frankenstein-type character that blocked the entrance to the bedroom. So I think the monster thing and the hand were working hand in hand to torment me. Good pun. It's difficult to remember how many times I was visited by the hand, but I recall about 10 times in two years, but I am sure it happened more. Finally, at some point, the hand disappeared. I went back to my bedroom and things went back to normal. The hand looked like thing from the Adams family. At that age, I had never watched or knew anything about the Adams family, so this didn't influence my experiences. I recently mentioned all this to my psychiatrist. He said that the brain of a child is pretty much like mush, and during its development, the brain can make us see odd things. Well, oddly enough, to this day, I won't sleep with my hands anywhere near my head or under the pillow. Also, I still cover some of the registers in the houses I lived in. I know all this stuff sounds crazy, but it happened. And to God, it happened. Side note, confirmed with my dad, he used to run the water softener every night. I know all this sounds wacky and insane, but I know it happened. Now you're not alone. Apparently it's a common experience. Yeah, strikingly prevalent out there. These disembodied hairy hands, I feel like it deserves its own show. Well, we'll be at least writing a blog about this, connecting all these accounts, because we have so many at this point. It's just, can't not do that. Maybe a compilation video too. Yeah. It's also interesting... You know, one famous one that you always hear about is the, the hands at Dartmoor. Right. That's a well-known regional We talked about phenomenon. that before. Yeah, the hairy hands of Dartmoor, where they'd appear out of nowhere and grab the driver's wheel and seemingly cause them to crash, allegedly. Um, but these are personal experiences, which is uh, it's very strange. Yeah, the hand thing is so odd. Yeah. It's like, what is that? Why so common? Oh, God, that's so weird. What? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just, I, as I say that, I look down at our table. I forgot we have a wooden disembodied hand sitting there holding my battery charger. Oh, that's weird. Weird. Speak of the devil. A lot of synchronicities. Yeah, it's just, it's just so odd. Out of all the weird phenomena, like what could that possibly be? Like, let's just say it's real. Let's yeah, say there's yeah. hands. I'll say it, it's real. Running around out there <laughs> on their five digits. What is that? Like, does it have a soul? Does it have a consciousness? Well, yeah. yeah. Was it attached well, to something? No, that's, that's a great question, John, because we had one story on Halloween. It happened on Halloween. That one story where the portal opened up in that hallway and it was a green hairy hand. But again, always the coarse hair. Like this yeah. is such a common thing with these hands too. They're not like silky smooth model Zoolander hands. Oh, They're hairy. Maybe it's the hat man scouter. Just, he's just grabbing around, making sure things are safe. Yeah. <laughs> making sure things are safe. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting. Did he mention the, he mentioned the Frankenstein entity, right? Yeah. Before he mentioned the Frankenstein, I was just yeah. going to say to John's question, we talked this before too, but back in uh, the Victorian period and later in the spiritualism movement during seances, the disembodied hand was such a common thing. It's almost like it's the first thing and maybe the easiest thing for things to form in this realm. As like an aport or apport? As, as an aport or as something that like if it's going to be a ectoplasmic manifested. Right. Maybe the hand is for some reason is such a, it's just an easier one to do first. So well, when you see something by itself, it's usually a hand. Also back when spiritualism and seances were kind of in their heyday, it kind of seems like it'd be the easiest thing to just fake, I would imagine. Just a hand under a tablecloth. But when you have the, all of these different experiences that have all of these similar patterns to them, you know, we get random people 
sending us these. Right. Like this story actually came as a response to another one we did. You can find any YouTube video who mentions a hairy hand and you'll see the comments just littered mm-hmm. with people who never left a comment before, but they had to because they experienced this exact same thing. Just so strange. And coming out of an air vent, it's also bizarre. Very specific. In his follow-up, I asked him about that. It's like, is that something someone could get into? Did you ever see the hand disembodied or was it just reaching up from the air vent? And like you said, it was like Thing, where he saw it looked like right. cut at the wrist. Cut off just above or below the wrist. What is that? What is also the, the part of the glove? Like almost sounded like a, a bicycler glove. A black or a, glove with one hair or like a motorcyclist out. glove where there was like a hole at the top where hairs are coming out. Yeah. Like what is going so on? So bizarre. Just so strange. Let us know out there, hairy hand man. Yeah. Yeah, right in, man. Slow typer. I will say that uh, later on, we will actually be coming back to Frankenstein. So scary. Yeah, no, not, not necessarily scary, John, but there's a weird synchronicity that came up with Frankenstein Super bizarre. with another speak pipe that actually I was playing. I'll talk about this later, but I was reading a story while Jim was playing the speak pipe in the background and I was reading Frankenstein and this person had said Frankenstein. It was another listener yeah. story with Frankenstein. What's going on with the big green guy? And uh, in the bedroom at night as yeah. a child, Tracy Haas. Anyways, we'll come to that later. Just a super bizarre. Is there a thing that like Frankenstein out there visiting people in the night? Maybe that's where the inspiration for Frankenstein came from. And oh, we should, obviously, I think everybody makes this conflation all the time, but Frankenstein was the doctor, obviously, the monster, the demon was what he created. Right. So it's Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, the creature Frankenstein's monster. Right, yeah. Anyways, we'll get into that, Chris. What's next? What's next on the docket of Spooky Stories? This one's fun, guys. This one reminds me of that Walmart wizard we covered once. Just oh, a, yeah. Just an off-the-wall, head-scratcher sort of strange story. Jerry, you want to do this one? Sure. Okay, this one I call TSA Monk. This is by A.J. Johnson. This took place at Lambert International Airport in St. Louis, Missouri, in the summer of 2015. It was the summer of 2015. I was at work performing my duties with my coworker, Rich. We had been working for some time and ready for a break, so we both headed to the break room when we noticed a passenger was having issues figuring out where to go for their flight. I began talking to the passenger and quickly realized that they did not speak English. The passenger appeared to be a monk dressed in a traditional shawl that was yellow in color. I made hand gestures for the monk passenger to follow me, and he did so. I walked him out of security and passed a family that was holding up three colorful cardboard signs that had, Welcome home, Jennifer, who was obviously not the monk, written on them. Welcome on one, home on the other, and Jennifer on the third. The next thing I know, I'm sitting in the security office by myself. My coworker Rich comes rushing into the office and asks me where the hell I've been. Uh, where have you been? I ask him what he means, and he proceeds to tell me that when I started to walk the monk passenger out of security, he was trailing behind us. Rich goes on to say that when I rounded the corner, he was still behind me, but I was just out of view. He then said that when he rounded the corner, I was gone, and so was the monk passenger. I told him I didn't remember what had happened, and then he said that we can find out. We went to the ticket checker, the only person who checks people into the checkpoint, and asked if they had seen me or the monk passenger come through in the last half hour. The ticket checker then said that they had not seen me or the passenger all that day. The rest of the day went on as usual, but that night while driving home, I had another, quote, incident usually takes me one and a half hours to drive home from work. I remember leaving work, but I don't remember the drive home. When I looked at the clock in my car, it said the trip from work only took 40 minutes total. That is physically impossible. 
I don't know what happened or what was going on, but something just felt off, and it still feels that way. That's my story. Weird. Thank Very you. strange. Thank you, AJ. That's an interesting story. I like those stories because it just makes you wonder. Monk teleportation. Obviously, this is a trained observer. This is a airport security officer who's used to taking people through the airport, and then suddenly, in one moment, is going around a corner with a monk passenger. <laughs> And then the next moment he's sitting in his office and doesn't know what happened. That is very strange. Right. It makes you wonder, like, is there some... You hear stories about, like, monk teleportation. The supernatural abilities of really well-devout, practiced monks. You yeah. know, these stories, you hear these accounts all the time. If anyone that can do it, they can. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's some kind of chi residue on monks that are really attuned. I was wondering, is there, like, a slipstream? Yeah. But it is weird, like, why are you at an airport if you can just travel through space and time? Well, maybe it doesn't work like that That's on true. command, you know? Who knows how it works? Maybe his mystic residue somehow, you know, slimed onto this guy. <laughs> and when he, was, when he was driving home, he just, some of that clicked. Maybe it was a frequency thing. Yeah. This is interesting. I just looked it up because I was curious about monk abilities, right? The mm-hmm. alleged powers through their faith. Supernormal powers, as they're called, supranormal powers, which are mentioned in the Samanafala Sutta. The fruits of the contemplative life. Sounds like something John mm. might be into. Okay, this I thought was interesting. With his mind thus concentrated, purified and bright, unblemished, free from defects, pliant, malleable, steady, he directs and inclines it to the modes of supranormal powers. He wields manifold supranormal powers. Having been one, he becomes many. Having been many, he becomes one. He appears, he vanishes. He goes unimpeded through walls, ramparts, and mountains as if through space. This is what monks get to do? Yeah. I want to be a monk. Some other ones they get to do is clear audience, which is like hear things from uh, living beings as well as divine beings, no matter where you are on the planet. Mind reading, recollection of past lives is an ability, and the passing away and reappearing of beings. It's just interesting little side note. Obviously, we're not getting deep into that today, but just a whole fascinating region of belief and ability. Yeah. get down to that. I feel like John is, John could start going that direction. Just keep stretching. He just takes his Bitcoin focus and put it on to like... (laughs) You clear audience, you know, mm-hmm. just a thought. I meditate. There you go. Quite a bit. You're almost there. Guys, we have to go to break a little bit earlier than normal today because we're working on some new tech and we just want to make sure everything's good. Before we go to break though, Jeremy, would you like to introduce what's going on in the expansion? Yes. Yeah. The expansion is going to be, this is a good one. I'm kind of excited about this one. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. And, it, and it's kind of something that we've touched on in the past a little bit. You may have heard us refer to things that we've previously described as imposter entities. And we've talked about things that essentially pretended to be something familiar, something inviting and welcoming that should make you feel comfortable and safe and safe, whether it be, you know, we did the Muppets, right? The oh, right. Muppets coming to life in these personas that these things would put on themselves to ingratiate themselves to you so you feel okay, but there's always something off and disturbing. What we're getting into the expansion today is something that in the lexicon is becoming, at least I'm hearing it more and more, the term mimics. Right. And this is the idea, whether it's hearing a familiar voice luring you somewhere or seeing what you think is your, your child, your girlfriend, your, maybe your husband sleeping next to you in bed, but it's not your husband. It's something wearing their mask. And this is October. It's the time of masks, right? It's Halloween. And so we're going to be talking about the things behind these masks, these experiences people have with these potentially sinister, dark imposters, these entities that are wearing your friend, lover, or family member 
as a skin. It's so disturbing. Such a creepy thought. Kind of reminds me of disembodied voices. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's exactly right. Tim Marjenko's book, Disembodied Voices. If you haven't gotten it, get it. It's a freaky, fascinating dive into this phenomena. Link in the show notes. But his experience was something luring him with the sound of someone familiar to him, his father. Right. But again, always with that telltale something being off a little bit. Like the voice was sounded almost robotic. Something's a little broken. And yeah. you hear that all the time, whether it's in the eyes or there's something mechanical about the voice, but it's it's so close to something that should be what it is, something that you recognize, but there's just something not right. And you have the sense of foreboding. So many stories. And I was shocked. I sent out last minute. I never do this. We need to do this more. But I sent out uh, just a message to, to our members and patrons. Have any of you had this experience thinking, I've, I've seen a lot of these online. I bet some of our listeners who are into this stuff, maybe they're into stuff because they've had this experience and we got a crazy amount. I was surprised how many people, like super short notice too. Yeah. yeah. So that's coming up in the expansion. It's going to be a super creepy, super fascinating episode, guys. So you don't want to miss it. If you're not a expansion member now, go to bluefield.com, click on the big red, join the expansion button. Or if you're on YouTube, check the links in the show notes. Wherever you're watching this or listening to this, check the links in the show notes and you will see the link to that there. And also right after the... Uh, expansion clip you guys are about to hear. You'll also hear a little clip, uh, a trailer, if you will, from some friends of ours, the Hollow Sky podcast. Go check out Stephen Kyle's Hollow Sky podcast where they get into all kinds of strange and paranormal phenomena, a lot like we do over here. From supernatural mysteries to conspiracies and even listener stories like this one. If you love the show, then there's a really good chance you're going to love these guys too. So definitely go check them out. Yeah. Go check them out and tell them Belief Hole sent you. Yes! And uh, we will see you guys after the break. And this takes place in Lovell, Wyoming. And this happened August 5th, 2022. So just, just the other day. John, if you want to read this one, I call it Tale of the Crib Keeper. Nice. And in this, he's referencing sleep paralysis episodes or night terrors. It's been almost two years since my last episode, but last night I had a horrifying one. It started with some crazy dreams that I was desperate to wake up from. I've always been a lucid dreamer, so I knew I was asleep. I don't remember the details other than there were like some sort of monsters or demons after me and my family. I finally woke up to my wife talking to me. Babe, did you have one of your nightmares again? However, when I went to talk back, it was garbled and gibberish. Then my wife started explaining some of the crazy faces I was seeing in my dreams and said she'd seen them too. I see them too. And there was one still in the closet. one behind that door. I looked down with only my eyes, and instead of the typical tall entity standing there, it was a woman that resembled the silhouette of my mother next to my daughter's crib. Her arms were straight out to her sides, and her elbows were bent, so her hands were straight in the air. Then she spoke, and the voice was a mix of my mom, wife, and something else. This is where you belong. There's nothing you can do to hide. I started panicking because for the first time, it started coming at me. I don't remember what it said, but its arms started twisting so that its hands were going up and down rapidly. It walked at me in quick jerky motions, sort of like if you're watching a movie that starts to skip, like there are images missing from its movements. I don't know how else to describe it, 
But every other time I've seen something like this, it just stood there and said nothing. When I finally snapped out of it, I was yelling. And I woke my wife up. I was completely out of breath and still scared out of my mind. So scared that I started crying. I've never had any sort of dream or sleep paralysis so intense that it caused me to cry. I'm still freaked out about what happened and I couldn't sleep for about an hour. My wife doesn't believe there's anything to this stuff and that's why I'm bringing it to you guys. Stuff like this is why I'm so interested in dreams. I know my ancestors had legends of dream walking and the powers of dreams and I'm starting to think there's something to it. I've been doing my own research, but there is surprisingly little about Native American dreamwalking. So if you guys ever cover it, hopefully you find more than me. And I saw this giant, like eight foot hairy creature just run across the road. She was claiming a man was talking to her through the sound machine. spirits in this room please give us a sign that you are here and as soon as he finished that sentence the door to the bedroom slammed shut and the candle blew out and now the room was pitch black as it walked it walked like an ape but human too also but as they moved towards us they grew in height and, and slenderized and became distorted. We are the Hollow Sky Podcast. Join us every Monday for tales of the strange and unusual. Find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, stay safe and stay weird. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. How's that for some spooky enthusiasm? Very spooky. We've got a lot left to cover. Indeed. On the spooky edition of Strange Listener Stories. Oh, but before we do, we have a special, special friend of the show. What you might refer to as a sky whale rider. Oh my God, I have the perfect sound for that. Sky whale rider. Sky whale rider. <laughs> yes. Yes, there it is. Thank you so much to Mike. Mike. Mike, you awesome, awesome fella. Good friend of the whole. Mike. Mike. You are the man. Champion of awesomeness. Thank you for signing up at the highest tier. If there's anyone else out there that, uh, you know, wants to... Pay the money. That's <laughs> Cliff John. That's great. No, but seriously, yeah. Thank you so much, my friend. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, if anybody else out there wants to ride a Skywheel, it is our highest tier, and we greatly appreciate the support. You get a special shout on the show for being awesome, just like Mike mm-hmm. here. So thank you so much, Mike. And that moves us nicely along to our next story. Also from... Mike. Yes, let us talk about the Owl Man. Yes, this was submitted, as I mentioned, from Mike. A really creepy story. Originally, he found himself on our website looking to just leave a general comment, and then he came across the story submission form, which triggered a freaky childhood memory in his mind. And at that point, he got an immediate tingling down his spine, almost a foreboding sense of hesitation, almost as if something was saying, don't recount this story. Almost like bringing it up to the surface. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The more you look at something, the more it looks back. And he had the sense of possibly he was getting kind of a subconscious warning that if you share this story, 
could be bad. Yeah, sometimes when you bring up a dark memory from the past that's been buried, you get that sense when you start to talk to someone about it, that sense of the walls. I know I've had this experience with you guys before, before we started doing the show, where you start talking about something very eerie, unsettling, almost otherworldly, and it seems like the walls of the room start to close in around you. Something's looking at you. Yeah, you feel this claustrophobia. Exactly, Chris. Now, he only told a few close friends and family this account, and they didn't seem to believe him or would just chalk it up to, you know, maybe maybe assuming that it was just a, a bad dream. He, right. he uh, did have night terrors as a child, but he also had, well, you might refer to, Chris, you've had experience with this, premonitory dreams where you dream yeah. of something and then it comes to pass in your, mm-hmm. in your real life. So he, he posited two possible realities to this. One is that it was just a bad dream or two, that maybe, maybe he was just open to certain frequencies, energies, otherwise inaccessible and actually did experience something truly supernatural. So we will let you guys decide for yourself here. And this takes place a night somewhere between 1989 and 1991 in Seabrook, New Hampshire. This is his story of the Owl Man. The night in question, I must have been either two, three, or four years old, because I remember it was a time when I was still sleeping in a crib, but was able to lower the gate myself and climb out. I woke up in the middle of the night to a strange figure standing over me in my crib. At first, I thought it was my brother, but as my eyes adjusted to the darkness of the room, the silhouette came more into focus. I saw that this was not my brother at all. It was, I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, an owl man. It had the face of what I know today as a barn owl. Huge, hollow black eyes, a white circular face, and a long pointed beak. This creature had the torso of a man, wearing a robe made of burlap wool material, like a monk. In fact, even at the time I recognized it as the clothing of a monk because of Disney's Robin Hood cartoon movie and Friar Tuck. I did not see its hands or feet, if it had any. I couldn't move. I was frozen in fear. And I felt as if this thing had come to take me away. I screamed at the top of my lungs. And it was gone in an instant. I kept up the screaming and sobbing until my mother arrived from her upstairs bedroom to see what was the matter. Honey, what's wrong? What happened? I told her there'd been a scary owl man in my room and she assured me it was just a bad dream. I will never forget that experience as long as I live. As I've grown older and started to open up again, I shut down a lot of my spirituality in my teens and 20s. I've started to experience forward-looking dreams and vivid nightmares again with more frequency, like back when I was a kid. But nothing before or since has seemed this real, or at least, not this terrifying. Crazy. Very scary, Mike. I mean, it's weird because in my head, you know, at first when I heard it, I'm like, that doesn't seem that scary, but can you imagine actually having a freaking owl, like yeah. the face Human of an size. owl and a man? That's yeah. like demonic. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And being man-sized at your bedside. Yeah. That's pretty freaky. Looking down at you. Or at his crib. Yeah. So he's a little guy. It's, it's not a singular experience either. There's been other people that have this experience. That's what's interesting is that this connects. I wonder how many of us have all had these experiences when we were little. Because mm-hmm. you just, I've seen so many people talk about how 
they start having experiences again after they shut down. Like, yeah. how many things have we blocked out of our memory? Oh, yeah. I'm wondering, like, what things live in my subconscious. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. In doing the show, I've, we've all heard stories where suddenly it sparks this weird, dark, nostalgic sort of off memory. Like, I feel like anyway, we've yeah. heard certain stories like, this sounds troublingly familiar. It sounds like I've experienced this, but I can't put my finger on it kind of thing. Like, maybe when you're children, you have that closer connection to the astral or yeah. the, the hereafter, the here before, and you see things that maybe you do block out. Yeah, especially on the verges of sleep or what's in that hypnagogic realm we talk about all the time. It's interesting because <laughs> this story came in and uh, it was such a weird synchronicity that occurred. And I'm not using it lightly because I've had this Audible subscription. I was trying to figure out what books to, I had like four credits, like what books should I, I get with this? And I wanted to get a book that I wanted to do on the show. And I had like a, a huge list of books that I've been wanting to cover. And the one that I happened to choose was called The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee. So I downloaded it. Hmm. And then that story came in that day. Oh, weird. And I was like, that's, that My is story. bizarre because not only is the book I got about owls and that's a synchronicity, the book is itself about owls and synchronicity. So it was like a double synchronicity. It was weird. very strange. Made me feel very weird. And yeah, so that was interesting. And in it today... So I was looking up for a little corroboration. I was just curious. I wasn't going to dig around in here. And this book, by the way, Mike Cleland, will do some time. You want to know if other people had experienced yeah. something like this. Yeah, but I wasn't going to like necessarily look for that. I was just kind of flipping in here. And there's tons of different categories of topics related to strangeness, high strangeness with owls. Huge book. And the page I happened to turn to was a story, probably the only one in this book that was almost identical to this account. And I found it in these pages, just randomly flipping open. That's so crazy. Yeah. So I want to read that real quick. It's very short. We'll have a link to the show notes here. So this comes from that book. Quote, an experiencer using the pseudonym Joe was interviewed by author Linda Zimmerman for her 2013 book, In the Night Sky. This witness uses the phrase, quote, owl person to describe the four foot tall being that would stand at the foot of his bed as he lay there, paralyzed and unable to scream. Sound familiar? This, quote, owl person terrified him. It just stared at him with those frighteningly big eyes. And the next thing he knew, it was morning. These encounters went on month after month, sometimes only once a week, sometimes two nights in a row, but always in the same manner. The terrifying owl eyes that stared at him from the foot of the bed. Then five or six hours would pass as if it was only a second and he would wake up and it would be morning. He knew these were not dreams, but how could this be reality? The awful stress of these encounters wore Joe down to the point where he thought he was going to lose his mind. And in this instance, they connect it to, you know, the UFO abductee, because of course, what do we hear all the time as screen memories, for right. example, gray aliens, large black eyes mm -hmm. coming into the bedroom at night. Replacing that. But just bizarre that that's happened to be in here. I just happened to flip to that similar account. That also kind of connects to the mimic phenomena, which we're going to be talking about in the expansion. Yeah. It's something that you're remembering is something it wasn't, but... It is weird because he freaked himself out. Apparently he went to Google after he submitted the story, just looking for some image to reference of what he saw. And in the past he'd done that, couldn't find anything. This time he searched and he found this toy by Mezco Toys. It's a new living dead doll, it's called, but it's called the Owlman Lord of Tears, which is pretty terrifying. And this is the description that kind of freaked him out because it just felt so much like his experience. It says, Owlman watches you sleep. He vanishes just before you can see him, but when you do see him, you'll never forget it. Yeah. So just based weird. on a movie, right? A fictional film that came out recently? That was, but the Owl Man apparently goes back further to 
Cornish legend from Cornwall in the UK. Apparently there's a flap in the 1970s yeah. of this, this owl man sighting that even goes further back to the 1920s was reported in the Cornish Echo newspaper about this large bird that attacks some boys. So it's there's all, definitely all connected. You can find all kinds of weird, the further you dig into this stuff, the more you find there's nothing new under the sun. Everything seems to have some sort of connection yeah. somewhere, whether or not that's directly related. There's just so much bizarre weirdness out there with attributes that just connect. Yeah, and who knows what strange travelers are moving between our dimensions and in and out of our world. And I'm not going to talk about it. I always bring this story up, and I was going to do it today, but we won't have time again, probably. But the story from Paul Eno's book about the noble bear and this oh, yeah. interdimensional traveler he discovers in somebody's attic in England has this like two evening experience conversation in some offbeat Latin. We'll do this story. I'm going to do this book. I know, about you, the graveyard, but yeah, we will. We'll get to it. It's, I love that concept of like what else is out there. You know, it's so easy to go to ghosts or ET, but what other things are in between the vision that we have that we hold so dear? Exactly. Things just beyond the seen world. Strange things. Let's, let's go to another strange uh, story. Thank you so much, Mike, by the way. Yes. Really appreciate that story. Hopefully by exposing the story, you're safer. Absolutely. Chris, what's next on our list? Okay, this next account comes to us from Heidi. In her own words. Yes, this comes to us from Heidi in her own words. That's right, we have some speak pipes. Yes. Awesome. We're getting back to the speak pipes for the remainder of this haunted episode. This is an interesting story. This, this is one of my favorites, I think. This story is unique. John, I feel like this will be familiar to you just in the, just in the sort of phenomena that's happening here, but it paints an interesting scene. So let's play this clip from Heidi. I call this The Masks They Wear. Okay, so my name is Heidi, and here's my story. This happened about 20 years ago. I was a newspaper reporter working in a little storefront in a small town in Massachusetts. At the time, there were only two of us in the office, Susan, who worked at the front desk um, taking subscriptions for the newspaper and answering the phones and taking people's payments. And I sat in the back behind the front desk at my little desk writing my stories. So one day, it's just a beautiful fall day outside and Susan and I are sitting quietly in the office doing our work and this guy walks in. And he just looked like your average New England dad. He was good looking. He had a crew cut. He was of average height, average build. He was dressed very nicely, wearing a plaid flannel shirt. It was autumn colors, kind of burnt oranges and navy blue. And he was wearing a navy blue L.L. Bean style puffer vest jeans and he came in and he said hi hello how you doing really friendly and susan said hi great how can i help you and he said i need to make a payment for my newspaper subscription uh, i'd like to make a payment for my subscription but as soon as he walked into the office every single hair on my body stood up straight and I became overwhelmed with this feeling of panic. The only way I can describe it is feeling all of a sudden thrown into fight or flight mode. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I started looking towards the back of the office. There was a, a little door there in a back room 
and then you had to go down a flight of stairs and through the cellar to get out through the back door and I started judging the distance from my desk to the door to the back room and wondering if I could run through the back room and down the stairs and through the cellar and out the door by the time he got to me. And I don't even know why I was feeling this way because the guy was perfectly pleasant. There were no red flags. There was absolutely nothing scary about him, but I felt like I was holding my breath and counting the seconds until he left. So nothing weird happened. He paid for his subscription. Thank you very much. And he said, bye, have a nice day. And he left. And as soon as he walked out, Susan let out a huge sigh. <sighs> Thank God that guy left. I couldn't wait until he got out of here. And I was like, oh, my God, you too? I'm like, every Bizarre. single hair on my body was standing up and I was thinking about running into the back room. Like I couldn't wait for this guy to leave and she's like, oh my God, I know. I couldn't even breathe while he was in here. So and I was bizarre. like, me too. So anyways, that's my story um, about people having negative energy. And it was just really weird because there was nothing strange about the guy at all but we both felt it. So that's it. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Heidi. We love you too. Yeah, weird story. I mean, it's just one of those... That's crazy. <laughs> hey, John doesn't need us anymore. He's <laughs> <laughs> dropped clips of us. <laughs> Time. Um, I like these stories because they're so just unusual, just inexplicably bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say bizarre is the right word. And there's something very unnerving. I was getting chills yeah. when she was talking about that. Because it does seem like it's there's absolutely no reason, but some people just have this darkness attached. And I feel like, I mean, I know it's circumstantial, it's anecdotal, but that to me is a kind of evidence of an inexplicable evil that exists. And it's, it almost feels like a, a hint, a human instinct that you have, a sixth sense you can pick up on Primordial. to protect yourself from something that yeah. in all other cases would seem pleasant. It's not that far out there. Yeah. I mean, if we all are electromagnetic beings and we all have these sensory, everyone has a gut feeling, right? Yeah. If someone has a very like dark presence to them, they've done horrible things in their life. They carry that malevolence around with them. It doesn't matter what they look like. A lot of people that are in tune are going to pick that up. You know, it's like an animal picking up being around prey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Energetic antenna. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's, I think it's super interesting. What makes the story interesting to me is that her, her coworker. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, she's sitting there in the office with her and at the same time, they're experiencing the same thing unbeknownst to each other about right. a seemingly very ordinary, pleasant man. As soon as she starts describing the, how she's gauging the distance and the, considering mm -hmm. the path downstairs to the basement Escape to route. get out, yeah. that just feels so real. I feel like I've been in that situation. I have been in New Orleans with that elevator situation. I've told that story before. Yeah. It's a dark person. So of course, you know, is it something paranormal? Is it just picking up on maybe, you know, someone with extremely evil intentions? Who knows? Either way, it does point to what John's talking about, the, the whole morphic field idea, picking up on other yeah. people's energy. Women are very good at it too, because generally are, can be a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to like having to watch out for men. More sensitive. Oh, absolutely. They also yeah. have to bring in, you know, spirits into this world in the form of babies. I feel like maybe there's, they just have like a linkage with maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe in a more sensitive kind of natural way. I don't know. I'm just a dude. But I think this guy is wearing the skin of a human. 
I think. Oh, come on. Hey, come on. <laughs> well placed. Could be a mimic, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the perfect... I was thinking that too. ...experience that you that you might experience, yeah, if that makes sense. I mean, even on the basic sense of the word, it is, it is obviously a mimic. Something it's, pretending and hiding its darker yeah. side itself. Yeah, in a way that is true, whether or not it's an actual other being. Yeah, demon or... Not, not clear, but definitely is lying. It does remind me of you have like the monkey on your back or a demon attached to you that you, mm-hmm. I think sometimes can be captured in spirit photography or some people sense mm-hmm. that there is, or even in mirrors, like what is that thing behind you? That, you yeah. know, you hear that story a lot. I've seen pictures. Who knows what of it is real? But it seems like that's what you might feel in a situation where someone has something attached to them. Creepy stuff. So thank you, Heidi, for the nightmares. For sure. Yeah, great story. Great story. Unique. Glad you're safe. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's let this last story carry us right into another example. This is sort of a twofer. In the end of this tale, we're going to hear again about a sort of mimic thing uh, that relates to an experience yeah. John had, actually. Uh, John, our brother here in this room. Here in this room. Uh, but it begins with a frightening tale of nighttime trolls. Yes, this comes to us from a good friend of the show, Tracy Haas. And apologies, Tracy, I hope that I did this okay. I kind of had to piece this together if it sounds a little weird. She left several speak pipes over a period of time since the early days, and some of them got messed up and we had to kind of stitch it. So hopefully it's a clear presentation of, of her experience, but fascinating stuff. Um, let's play that clip. I've had experiences my whole life, my whole family has, but I had night terrors as a child. I have them now, but not as frequently as I did back then. And constantly, it seemed like every night I would have them. I've always thought that they were my brain producing drugs. Well, that's what I was told by a doctor. You know, that I think I'm awake, but it's just a dream. So I believed that for years. And, you know, that makes sense because your brain does produce DMT and whatever. So anyway, it was a child that happened all the time. And they totally wanted me to be afraid. There's no doubt they wanted me to be afraid. As soon as they got that fear out of me, I would jump up. But I never have been paralyzed. That's another oddity. I hear the sleep paralysis things, and, I, and I've interacted with them before, because 95% at least of the time, they're pure evil, but occasionally they're completely the opposite, and they're there to tell me it's okay, you know, we love you. One came as Frankenstein's monster, oddly enough, you would think I would be afraid of that, but he, he held me in his arms all night long and protected me. But a couple of things that made me think differently, like, hey, these night terrors are maybe more than what I'm thinking they are. So about two years ago, before my daughter bought her house that her and her boyfriend presently live in, she lived in a house that was just full of weird things that constantly were happening. I had had what I thought was a night terror because my other daughter and I spent the night with her and we slept in her bed. I woke up to what I can only describe as a three and a half foot tall, if you've seen the trilogy of terror, that troll doll at the end. But bigger, it had like black hair, I could tell it was female, but it wasn't a human face. It was like almost wooden. I can't really explain it. It just looked like a troll, weird monster doll looking thing. And it was definitely evil. I see my daughter there and I see her wake up. And I told my daughter, don't look at it. It wants to eat your fear. And that next day I woke up thinking, oh, I had another night terror. You know, one of my weird dreams that I do every now and then. And uh, a couple of months went by or whatever. And then I'm retelling my story because we're talking about 
that house. And I'm like, yeah, that was weird. I had a night terror in your bedroom, that Italian I was sleeping in. It was a troll-looking doll, and I remember telling Talia not to look at it in my dream. And Talia said, Mom, you weren't dreaming. You told me not to look at something at the end of the bed. And I was afraid, so I didn't look at it. And I was like, what? Because when I'm dreaming, my husband will tell me, you're dreaming again, you know, you're mumbling in your sleep. So I can't talk normal when I'm dreaming. I don't sit up and, like, talk normal sentences, so that's strange. Yeah, I don't know what it is about me or my family. Um, we do have some Native American roots going way back, but uh, that's my great-great-grandfather. Anyway, thank you for all you do, and I will talk to you later. Thanks. So, troll creature. Yeah. At the end of the bed. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much, Tracy. Yeah. It reminds me of the stories that we've received of the gnomes that people see. Mm-hmm. Black wrinkled faces or dark, you know, muddy faces at the end of the bed. It's a very creepy description. Yeah. And if you've seen that picture, guys, Google, we'll have in the show notes, but the trilogy of terror, troll, doll, it's a doll in the, in the movie. Pretty freaky to imagine that three foot tall at the end of your bed. I've heard other stories like this. And actually, I remember when she first sent this in, I Googled it and saw the people describing seeing something that looked like this doll, which yeah. is just bizarre. We had that account. Um, we were talking about little people very early on in the show, mm-hmm. the one specifically about the little people that kept coming into this guy's room when he was younger. Rick Abney. I think that was Rick Abney. Yeah, story. And it, but it was described in a similar way where it was like this sort of brownish wrinkled skin, but they would always come in and terrorize him at night and this happened for months. Yeah. I wonder, you know, Tracy said that her family's experienced things, including her father and her daughter. I wonder if her daughter and her daughter's husband experienced anything particular in this house because she said a lot of strange things happened. It'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, well, we didn't have time for it, but there she did mention that she grew up on old Comanche territory, I believe she said. And when she was younger, she would hear drums and chanting out her window. And when she looked out, she'd see these, no, oh, she called them little people, not little people, but smaller than average people, Native American in appearance. And then she found out later reading a book, I forget what, what book it was, but basically that the people that the land she was on, Comanche, I think, mm-hmm. they were smaller than uh, the Irish settlers that had come in in the area. Fascinating about that. Last thing I'll say about that. What's fascinating about that is Rick's story, who did the with the wrinkled skin coming to terrorize him, those, those small little gnome creatures. In that story, he talked about one night seeing them outside in the yard, which is just weird because it sounds very like at nighttime seeing the same thing. The little people out in the yard who would come in later and he would know not, you know, sometimes you see him playing yeah. out in the field. Yeah, just creepy. Yeah, well, that would be kind of different because those are gnome creatures and not Native Americans, slightly smaller in stature. But still, yeah, interesting. But going back to what she said about what she saw when she was with her daughter, when she was talking to her daughter, trying to warn her daughter, the mechanics of that are interesting. Because when you're in that situation, and I've experienced this, any of you guys out there who had sleep paralysis, you're screaming, you're yelling. And if anyone's in the house or, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, they can't understand you. If anything, you get like a, a muffled mumble. Yeah. But the fact that she was able to say, don't look at it, it'll eat your fear, which is something we warn about all the time. Fear eaters. Fear eaters, nightmare feeders. But the fact yeah. that she could verbalize that means that she wasn't in a state of sleep paralysis. At least as far as I understand that experience, you can't really speak clearly, like right. she was saying. So it's that's a credit to the potential reality. Yeah, it's a credit to the idea that she was actually seeing something. She wasn't in a state of paralysis. That's just kind of interesting. Also, the interesting throwback to Frankenstein. She's held by a Frankenstein creature. Yeah. That, Whether that was part of a night terror or... But it's funny because the hand story we had. The hand story, that was the synchronicity that from was earlier. synchronicity, yeah. We had those coming at the same time and we explained that earlier, but just bizarre. Right. 
he saw a shadow person or some shadow of something that looked like Frankenstein's monster. And here, this one helped protect her. Maybe it's, why are they coming together on our show? Maybe it is an older entity, an astral entity that goes throughout time. It's bizarre. <laughs> Very weird. But you had one last thing from Tracy, right? It was kind of, it was an early, oh, yeah. early mention of, uh, John, when you told your story a long time ago, OG listeners will remember this, the Whole Foods inhuman people. Oh, that's, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it, and it tied so nicely into the, the sort of mimic situations we're going to be getting to yeah, the expansion. Yeah, definitely kind of had that sort of vibe. Describe that a little bit for people to remember. Yeah. So when I lived in, in Texas, in Austin, there was just this, and what's kind of weird about it too, is I, it was during like one of those kind of spiritually awakening times that you can have in life mm -hmm. where you feel very like connected to the ethereal. Yeah. And I... I was just in the grocery store and I just noticed these like two guys that were just standing there. It was like super busy, you know, huge store, Whole Foods. And we just stared at each other and they just had this evil, dark presence. And it was almost like when I was looking at them, it was like they knew. <laughs> we have one that can see. Whatever they were, <laughs> like I could see like that they were like out of place and they just, we just stared for at each other. I don't remember exactly how long, but it was like way past the normal time. He would stare and they both were looking at me and I just remember walking and I was just like looking at them and they just seemed so just, Off. they were almost just, they were like assessing. Maybe they were criminals, you know, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it, it felt deeper than that. Yeah. You, you wonder like drugs, you know, meth or something, but I mean, it seemed I feel like, like they were enjoying like, almost like they were like an alien or some, mm -hmm. you know, other... A mimic. Entity, yeah. And they were like but, just scoping it out. I'm going to say mimic like as much as possible. That's right. They're just kind of scoping out the environment, monitoring people, kind of getting an idea of whatever plan they were, or just, yeah, just mm -hmm. watching. It was very, very strange and yeah. creepy. It's a dark experience. If there ever was an invasion from a non-human force, it would probably happen that way. Taking the appearance, slipping in. I mean, that's a whole other different horrifying thought. Not just extraterrestrial invasion, but what about interdimensional invasion yeah. from some dark, right. sort of almost supernatural culture? What a weird concept to think about. But yeah, let's hear, let's hear Tracy's experience that relates to your experience, John. And the thing about the um, Whole Foods, oh, I almost forgot. Doesn't matter where we live, what house, where we go. I will see people that I don't feel, the best way I can say it is they don't feel human. Uh. Um, I was an ATB in a North Austin, Northwest Austin. That's where we lived, off of Jollyville Road. And I saw a man and a woman, um, I guess a, like a husband and wife in like 20s or 30s. And there was just something about this couple. They just didn't feel human and their eyes were weird. They weren't black. They were just, there was something different about them. And uh, I said something to my daughter that they don't feel right. And my daughter said, yeah, there's something not right about them. So it's not just you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's exactly how I felt. That's so creepy, man. I had that experience. I won't do it again, but in New Orleans, which is a, just a kind of a mysterious, beautiful, but dark place as well with all the magic there. Yours was the man in the elevator, right? Yeah. The elevator man. Just the blood coming out of his ear and the powdered face and stared down dad with a look of death and just very unearthly feeling. Yeah. Inhuman is how I would put it. Very bizarre. You say it true. <laughs> you say it true. But John, you know what? You seem human to me, right, John? I do. I, I do. I, I, that was a perfect opening for that clip you have. 
Which one? Human. I don't have that one. Megorius the Grand? Oh. I don't think it says human, though. Oh, that's too bad. I thought you played that earlier. I'm going to say, John. All dolphins are magic, Jonathan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Megorius's laugh. What, Chris? I was going to say, it's feeling pretty dark in here, John. Can you play a gummy bear stab? Gummy bear. Oh, yeah. There it is. We're all safe now. <laughs> I am real. We, we, guys, we got to fill you in a little bit since we're coming to the end here. So we're using a new program called Riverside. We're not even in the same room right now. Yeah. But it's, it's really a very cool piece of software. And we're hoping that it's going to make live streaming and stuff and video stuff a lot easier. And it's, yeah. it's really cool. So we're definitely excited about how it can help the show. Hopefully more frequent live streams. And I've got all the sound effects. And John's got all the sound effects, which can go either way. I, I will <laughs> narrow it down. I'm just kind of experimenting right now. But yeah, yeah I think it's going to be really fun. I like it a lot. I think it just has a lot of potential. And yeah, it'll get us out there more on streams. It's going to make live streaming so much easier. Yeah. Like instead of preparing two days before, we can just hop on Yeah, and, you know. Get to business. Absolutely. I'm excited for it. Lots of uh, things coming down the pike in the hole. And Halloween is upon us. So the next episode is going to be even creepier. Yeah. As a Halloween special. Yes. John, I will <laughs> save you from the horror of hearing about the background of the Frankenstein monster inspiration and galvanism and all that stuff. So don't worry about that. We're going to skip right to the next story. We'll save that for another episode one day. Unless you want to hear about that, John. What? Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's move it along to our last tale of the evening. This last story comes to us from Stephanie, and this I call The Land and the Caretaker. This is a classic tale of spookdom. So I want to tell you a story. <laughs> Stephanie sounds like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Hi guys, my name is Stephanie, and I have so many ghost stories to share with you. She said this like in 2020. Thanks for hanging in there, Stephanie. My entire life, I have had weird things happen up until recently, like as in two days ago. Growing up, I lived in a farm, or on a farm rather, that my dad had been raised on. He moved there when he was three, so that would have been 1948. My aunts would later tell me, yeah, you know, we saw things in our house. And so something tells me it's tied to the land. At one point, they did find a Native American um, they weren't sure what it was. They were digging up a new uh, manure pit, which is where they put all the cow manure. Um, <laughs> it's a farm thing. Anyways, uh, while they were digging for this new manure pit, they would find some artifacts. Hey, look at this. Looks Native American to me. Arrowheads, pottery, and then eventually it hit almost a, a ceremonial looking structure with bricks. Now my dad, in fear of losing the farm, like just buried it back, back up, up and just left it at that. So something tells me that there's a connection to that. My earliest ghost memory would be this lady who was in an old dress. She would be in the hallway and she would poke her head around the corner and just stare at me. And when I tell my mom, she'd be like, well, Steph, there's no one there. So outside of my house, the next visual ghost that I experienced was at a friend's house. I was sleeping over at her house. This was probably third grade, so I would have been 10, 9 years old. And I was waking up towards the end of a movie we had fallen asleep to. And I looked out her window, and her window was on the lower level of their house, which had a small step before you entered into the woods. So 
no houses in the back, just woods. And I remember looking and seeing a man standing there. Now the man had overalls on uh, that you would have had back in the day as a farmer, um, a plaid shirt, a straw hat that was very wide brimmed, and he had a pipe. And I just watched him and he was almost surveying the land as if you were just taking it all in. And he scanned from left to right and he looked so incredibly sad. And suddenly he looked a little too far right and happened to catch me out of the corner of his eye. And that's when I saw him smile. And he turned away from me, turned back, and in a flash of bright light, it was gone. I told my dad about it the next day and described the man, and he said that's Harvey Sikaku. He used to own the land that that house is built on. That's a sweet story. Yeah, is that it? I like that idea. That, oh. Yeah, I think so. And There's, then he appeared with razor fingers and slashed <laughs> for <his> belly open. <laughs> horrible. I know, I like that that's the, I like the idea of, you always hear how sad some ghosts are, you know, you hear this all the time, mm-hmm. of course, the countenance of, of sorrow. I like this story because it ends with this idea that obviously he's very sad in this moment surveying the land, maybe thinking of his life once lived, now lost. And then he catches her in the corner of his eye and then there's a little smile. Yeah. Like the, the living can have like a happy impact on the ghost, wherever, however temporarily he is on it's the a surface. Good, it's a good lesson. Go to the light. You two yeah, out go there. go to the light, right. You two out there can be like Stephanie and turn that ghost's frown upside down. Send him off well to a better place. Well done. Bum, 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 bum. Wow. Thanks. That was good. Now, it's a nice way to end, I think, this edition of Strange Listener Stories. <laughs> Absolutely. Had some great, great stories this time. And there's a lot, there's a lot of stories we have in our banks, guys. So it's, yeah. and it's, it's not get, over yet. It's going to get weirder and creepier from here. And we've had a lot coming recently, too, that I'm excited to get to as well. Yeah. What's coming up on the... So the next one's Halloween, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, I forgot. If you guys are YouTube watchers, hit that like button for us. It helps us get out there. We're trying to grow the show. Yeah, don't oh, yeah. you have an awesome sting you made for that, John? I do. If you're watching on YouTube. I don't have to play it, but I, I can. Let her rip. Play it. That's one that makes sense. Attention all YouTubers. Please hit the like button or we will be forced to explode your face. <laughs> Explode your fish? I made Ooh, that for you, sloppy. YouTubers. We have a lot of people that keep coming back, so help us out. Yeah. Subscribe. Hit the bell. Share it up. Healthy algorithms. But yeah, it doesn't have to be over, guys. Sign up for the expansion and join us where we're going to delve into the fascinating lore and true stories of mimics. Yes. And imposter entities. It's going to be real creepy, guys. So buckle up and put on your big boy britches and blankets and light the candles. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Let's continue the spooky. I'm so excited. And on that note, uh, we have people that did sign up at a higher level for a little extra thank you. We got some thank yous. We got some thank yous. That's right. And that's what we're about to do right now. Thank those who are extra generous and help us help the whole. Thank those that thank themselves. Thank those that thank themselves. (laughs) That's the way to put it. We're about to welcome to be here. All right, I'm going to start it off with... David McKinley, a shadow person of interest. Give him a monument. We love you, David. You are the man. Yes, he deserves his own monument in Canton, Ohio. Oh, yes. Celeste Fleury, or as her friends know her, Celery. What? Thank you so much for your patronage. Yum, yum. Puts a peanut butter on her. No. You're a flurry of a girl. <laughs> this is flurry. 
Uh, that's her last, that name. Her last oh, name. Oh, yeah. Way to be here, Chris. I was focused on the seller. Welcome to be here. Really, really terrible. Carrie P. Smith. Awesome. A shadow person of interest. Oh, wow. A special lady in the hole. Big love. Big love to Carrie. Carrie's not wary of the hole. Joshua Stanley. Thank you so much, you dogman whisperer. You. Two names yes. in one. I love it. Rawr. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, yes. Leanna K. Kirk, another shadow person of interest. Oh, awesome. nice. <laughs> hero of the whole. Welcome yes. to be here. Your yes. last name means church. Excellent. And is the last name of one of my bestest friends. That's right. Welcome, Leanna. Mm. We love you. Thank you for captaining our ship tonight. Brian Hullinger, or Hullinger, however it may be pronounced. Welcome in, sir. Brian, thank you for being here. We love you. Yes. You're very handsome. Another dogman whisperer, I think. <laughs> Yes, yes. Heatherly Sweeb. Yes. Or Sweeby. Heatherly? Heather L. Did I say Lee? <laughs> Heather L. <laughs> Sweeb. Great. Or Sweeby. Heather L. Sweeb. I'm not sure how to say your name, but I love it. I love yes. you. Thank yes. you so much. Big yes. hug. Sweeb yes. on over to the hole. Hey, beautiful lady. That is now a verb. Yes. Charlotte L. Lenzen is here. All right. Charlie. Charlalarlar. Welcome in. What is that? <laughs> Sorry. Charlalarlar. Had a lot of caffeine. Charlalarlar. Peppercorns for you, Charlotte. Um, Angela Manchester. All right. Oh, hello. Ooh, Manchester United. It's a place we live near and yes. you live near our hearts. Either way, welcome to be here. Yes. We love you. Absolutely. This name's going to be fun. Uh, welcome to the whole Hannah M. Zwezem Turner. Yes. Zwezem Turner. What? Welcome. Sorry for butchering your name. You win the coolest name award tonight. Zwezem. Awesome name. I don't know what that is. Tell us the derivation. Thank you to be here, you shadow person. Nice. Thank you to be here. That's a That's good a new one. Is that new? Excellent. Thank you so much, Thank Hannah. Thank you to be here. We love you. Austin Bernie. All right, Austin Bernie. Get out those matches and torch the, the team because he's a one-man show. Burn it up. Austin Bernie. I don't get it. Burn. Burry? It's spelled burn, B-U-R-N. Oh. Yes. What's wrong? <laughs> I just don't understand. Light, you, light, you burn things you with, a, with a light. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. You said Bernie. That's what I was confused. Bernie. That's his name. Anyways, thank you, Austin. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much. Just say things, John. Just say just them. Say, say random things. Joseph Fisher's here. Cast that pole into the hole. Yes. There you go. That's right. <laughs> That's not right. Thank you so much, Joseph. Yes. Uh, yes. Not yes. trying to yes. be that I way. I know. It just happens. Yes. Stephen Morahan. You are an awesome person and you are here for the whole. Yes. We are here for you. Stephen Morahan? Yes. Thank you to be here. Are you one of those hands that comes into the world? Disembody. Yes. There's no D on the end of that, Mora. He's just a good friend. Awesome. And a hand. Thank you to be here. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Cloyd Markham. Cloyd. That is an awesome name. Markham up. Awesome. Or Cloyd Markham. I'm not sure which. Unless that's a typo. Cloyd Markham. It could be Clyde, but I think it's Cloyd, at least is the way it's written. Welcome in, Cloyd. You are super cool. Welcome. Yes. A very unique name. Welcome to be here, my friend. Very handsome. <laughs> You're very handsome. We're beautiful to you. <laughs> yes. Just compliment their physical yes. looks. Uh, Andrea Ash Salinas. Awesome. Welcome here. I think that's Spanish for exit, but we welcome yes. you into the yes. hole. Salida. Yes. Salida. Man, my Spanish is bad. I'm sorry. Salinas, thank you so much. Welcome in. Andrea, you are awesome. Don't judge, Jeremy. Uh, Jordan Hopkins is here. Welcome to the hole, my friend, Jordan. Yes. All right. Pump up those air Jordans. Interviews related to Bud Hopkins. Anthony. Welcome to the hole. Yes. Did, this, yes. did I say Anthony? You did. Yes. Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> it's not Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. This is Jordan. That'd be neat. Thank you so much, Jordan. We love you more than Anthony Hopkins. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. 
Uh, Amber Foster is here. Welcome to the whole Amber yes. Foster. Right, Foster. Foster yes. some creativity with yes. the whole. Foster, love in my heart. That she does. Uh, another Dogman Whisper to the whole. We have Stephanie Alexander. Yes. Welcome so much Excellent. to be here. Ooh, a very royal sort of name. Alexander the Great. We much appreciate your business. <laughs> we much appreciate <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Please call all. again. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'm sorry. I'm welcome. welcome. Another Dogman Rister. What? Rister? I'm reading moisture. and saying things. Dogman Moisture. Another Dogman Whisper. Richard Bobich. Risper Bobich. What? Richard Bobich. Or Richard Bobich. They were all having strokes. Bobich. Welcome in, well, Richard Bobich. Thank Welcome you so in. much to What's be the, here. Yes. What's that Boba guy in Willow's name? Boba Fett? Yes. No, in Willow. No, Bobo? Yes. Yeah, it was like the, the big fat guy that was like, is this like Bob something Bobo? Or I don't remember that guy. Oh, the other the other little guy. Yeah, but he was big. He was, he was kind like of a jerk. big guy. He was like the, yeah, he was oh, a jerk. Oh, bub- Bubblegum. Bubblegut. Bubblegut. Burblecut. 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 Burblecut for the win. Yeah, we figured it out. Wow, we spent a lot of time on that one. Who is that? Oh, Richard Bobich. Thank you, Richard Bobich. You're not a peck. Oh my gosh, that was great. Peck, peck, peck. Oh, we're going to do watch along. It's going to be great, guys. All right, and last but not least for this round of thank yous, we have Jennifer Fields. Yes. Thank you so much to be here. Welcome to If you build it, they will come, Jennifer. Yes. Fields of the whole. You guys are all so awesome and amazing, and we love you very much, and you really do keep us going and growing in the whole. So, yay. Yay to you. We love you all. Thank you so much. We're very, very lucky to have you. You are special, special people. Yes, you are. And if you are not a member yet, sign up. And if you can't yet, leave us a review. Yeah. Go to iTunes. It really does help. Or Spotify or wherever you leave reviews. Helps grow our numbers. Helps uh, people know that it's a good show. Tell your friends. If you're listening right on Spotify, I'll say this. On Spotify, it's super easy. I think you just, with your phone, you just literally like swipe up or like rate the show and you tap five stars is what I'd I'd recommend. You can do whatever you want, but no, no less than four. Don't leave a review if it's under five. Come on. But the cool thing is there's no pressure to write anything. I don't even think there's a field for it. So just go ahead and hit that five star. And if you want to write something, go to iTunes. Yeah, the ratings and comments on YouTube, all that stuff really helps yeah. us grow. We're just really, really working on it. So Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it, guys. And uh, we hope you have an awesome remainder of October before the big day. Stay tuned for the outtakes. That's true. There'll definitely be outtakes this time. Yeah, so guys, we will see you as Halloween creeps around the corner for our special Halloween episode. And until then, as Heidi... Heidi with, of the Black Dog Heidi would say, watch out for the screeps. Remember the screeps? Remember that word? Yeah. God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We love you much. Anything else you guys wanted to say? Oh, if anyone out there happens to be, we might do this for Halloween, or if not, we're definitely going to do it in the future, a focused true scary story episode based on our hometown, Canal Fold. And if you happen to live or know <laughs> someone who's lived in Canal Fold or with Clinton or very close to the area... Submit a story. What state is this in? Ohio. I guess I should have <laughs> okay. said Ohio. Uh, it's a small town. Yeah. I think that would be a really fun episode to do because of the history here in the canal town. There's a lot of interesting lore. If you happen to have any experiences and you live in this area, uh, hit us up, send us a message, a speak pipe even better, uh, a voice message. Canal Fulton, Ohio. Yes. Yeah. Cool concept. Way to dox us. <laughs> well, we didn't say the address. <laughs> I'm kidding. No one's hunting us down. Not yet. John, did you, you were you say something? <laughs> Um, I was going to say that um, we are bringing back the stingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. If you guys want a song or a stinger, they will be for sale in the Belief Hole website. Yes. I was going to say, if you're not familiar with the stingers that John used to do or the little 
jingle jangles he used to create for people who would sign up. Now they're available again. And what they are basically is a fun, quick little scenario, including you that we play on the show full of scenarios. I don't know. You explain it, John. How would you explain it? Okay. So basically it's either a song, which is usually like a minute to a minute and a half. You know, you leave a little bit of information about yourself, you know, stuff that that you find kind of unique to you. And that's one option. And the other option is just like a, it's a shorter, a little fun, kind of just similar type of thing related to something that you tell us about yourself. And that's just more like a 15 second, 20 second little magical little sound effect music stinger yeah. thing. Yeah, check them out. We have examples on our site. Yeah, we'll have a link to the show They've been really fun in the past. And you yeah. could even potentially drop one right here. Yeah, we could. Let's do it. Let's drop uh, this one here. One of our favorites. For the love of beliefful, Brandon Watkins gave his five dollars per month to get in the hole and his generous nature we don't take for granted. song stinger from john so you can check more of those out at our website believeful.com i think that's about it it's a ton of fun those are available a la carte at our website as well as uh the regular memberships so check it all out and we'll see you cool cats in the expansion that's right awesome we'll catch you next time on belief hole was frozen in fear, and I felt as if this thing had come to take me away. I screamed at the top of my lungs. Mommy! That's not the top That's of your good. lungs. <laughs> Mommy! Uh, <laughs> Mommy! What? It's, it's a little louder, I think. Top of your Mommy! lungs. Mommy! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a middle-aged man. Mommy! Silencio! Mommy! Well, no? I think you're getting quieter. It's gotta be I'm loud. Really, I'm trying to go away from the mic. That's, so that's good. Yeah, that's no, good but... Go, go far away from the mic and just yell. All right, mommy. What the mommy. hell? <laughs> mommy. Oh, you want to do long ones? Well, it's, it's, it, it says, says written mommy. out long. Mommy. Oh, okay. Top of my lungs. Mommy. That's not how I would react to an owl, man. I was being in character. <laughs> okay. All right. Method acting. You are completely okay, I'll do, I'll terrified. Do it's written. I'll do it. It's written. Mommy. That's good enough. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the old man hacks up his lung. It's just me or do I look better with the shirt off? 
All I see are bits of information. Yeah, you're pretty pixelated right now. Really? This is sad for you guys. You could be seeing this hot bob right now. Nothing more than to see my hot brother tickle his nipples. That's <laughs> <laughs> so hot my for me. My brother is so hot. <laughs> yeah, my he's brother so is. Hot. You guys know my brother John? He's, he's really hot. My hot brother he's around here. introducing people. <laughs> hey, my hot brother John. Do you have any brothers? Yeah, I got two brothers. My older brother's really hot. He's a hot brother. <laughs> he's a hot brother. Why am I having trouble figuring out where we are? There we are. Here we go, some. I know. I like that. That's the. I like that idea. That's that cool. That's you'll, cool. Z has too much power. It's too much power. It's too much power, John. He uses our voices <laughs> like, a, like a mimic. Damn you! Crazy. Crazy. That's cool. Perfect. Spooky. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. Dough. Okay, moving on. All right. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, here we go. I, and he's barge melted cleaver. Barge melted cleaver. Frankly, solution you're part of the problem. Frankly, I'm gonna ask you. Frankly, you're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Okay, let's get going. <laughs> Sarsaparilla Jackson. Jackson. The following night, when it came. It was accompanied by a tall Frankenstein-type... Frankenstein-type... Frankenstein! Dr. Frankenstein, that's just says. What? Is that right? Frankenstein. 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 Yeah, the monster? Whatever. What are you overkidding? I'm sorry. The following night when it came, it was accompanied by a tall Frankenstein-type character. Funnier the second time. Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> <laughs>